In the studio today, we have Berenpoor School Principal Mark Potter, who has a lot to celebrate with the school centenary coming up next month. Although the school has experienced many changes over its 100 years, it seems to sustain a unique, inclusive culture for all abilities and is one of the most culturally diverse schools in the region with a healthy allocation of refugee families. Although these could be seen as extra challenges on a school, the kids and the teachers are known for being happy and the school seems to be the very heart of the Berenpore community. Wow, welcome to B-Side Stories, Mark. Mm, kia ora, Laurie. Thanks for that. Great, yes. How, how long have you been... Um, the principal for Berenpore School. Gosh, that's, uh, you know, I have to admit, 18 years. That's pretty legend. Yeah. <laughs> um, how many children make up the role now? Uh, currently we are sitting on 271. So okay. We've had quite a large growth recently. Yes, but then by, by comparison, still quite a small school. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we're one of those uh, smaller schools that Wellington had because it's an old city. And um, Love that. not the large, large ones you got in the more um, uh, last 30, 40 years we've got big uh, spaces, big yeah. suburbs open up, and they made big schools understanding that. But mm. uh, Wellington's sort of built on goat tracks. Right, and, and so uh, that's why we're still a small school there. Consequently, there's small schools all over Wellington. That's yeah. a beautiful – do you know, it's amazing you can live here, and I never understood that. So that's a really <laughs> great perspective to have. Recently, you went to Scotland talking about Berenpore School. How did you define the school to those that had never heard of it? Uh, we talked about the, the school from the perspective that it's a partner in its community. So nice. it's not a, um, a school that is a centre of all things great in the community. It's mm. just a partner in it. Because Berenpore has a long history of being quite a stunning community, doing really interesting things. So well worded. Yeah, yeah. So it would be a bit um, presumptuous of us to say that we're the centre of it. It's, mm. uh, what we do is, um, over the years, we've developed uh, a good relationship with the community to the point that they uh, have a lot of trust placed in the school. Mm. And uh, I often say to people, in Glasgow particularly, my presentation was just say yes. <laughs> So uh, we spend a lot of our time where people do come in with some quite original ideas from the community. Right. And they're looking for a partner to enable them to do those things. So consequently, uh, over the years, we've had everything from uh, establishing Montessori uh, education in the school to having a roofed and heated swimming school operating on the school's pool. (laughs) Down to we even have beehives (laughs) and uh, the children are... uh, uh, I don't know, animal husbandry, what do you call <laughs> Beekeeping, I suppose, right. is the best way of putting it. But yeah. um, they're making products out of beeswax, they're harvesting honey, they're understanding industry from a small scale. So, And this comes from those partnerships. I love that. So just say yes, you reckon. <laughs> <laughs> and be up for a diverse oh, yeah. curriculum. Take a risk. Take yeah. a risk, yeah. So with the school centenary approaching, I'm sure that's bringing about a lot of reflection. But what is it that you would like to celebrate about Berenpore School? We've taken the, the t- take that, OK, we're, we're turning 100, but this... You don't look anywhere near it. No, so. thank, thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, we, we're in a, a, a very interesting, unique suburb, mm. and uh, it's, it's a very eclectic, very socially conscious one, and has been pretty much through its life. Wow. I think it started from when it was a very much a working man's suburb. And uh, so 
what we want to do is celebrate 100 years of Berenpore, not just Berenpore right. School. And uh, what we're, we're doing is one of the, the um, wonderful projects has been we've had a group working on producing a book. Yes. And it's 100 years of Berenpore, not Great. just Berenpore School. And they're looking at things such as the uh, Centennial Flats that were built uh, in 1939, and it has World Heritage status. Yes, yes, which is a very untrumpeted yeah. story, I think, isn't yeah, it? I think yeah, it's, it's one of only two or three in the country that have that status. Wow. Uh, one of the other ones in Wellington is the railway station. I think one of the reasons for that is, as I understand it, it must still be in its original use. Right, right. And it is. It was built right. for social housing in the 30s. And um, I was told off it's not Art Deco style, it's international style. Right. I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, there's a lot of those sort of things we're celebrating. We've, mm. we've learnt, um, for instance, that um, Berenpoor with the Mornington Golf Club is, was one of the first organised golf clubs in the area, and it was the first to have women players. Um, yes. yes. <laughs> and someone told me that they got um, told off at some stage years and years ago that a bylaw was put in to prevent Sunday sport because they felt um, the women shouldn't be doing that. They should be going to church or so on, if, if I got the story straight. Right. So uh, we've had all these wonderful <laughs> stories coming out, and um, we're trying to uh, line them all up and, and prove the – it's almost like urban mythology. Right. Uh, you know, uh, we even have the, the first road patrol in the country was established at Berenpore School by Mr Huss, who lived in the factory at the bottom of Brittermart Street. Um, some child was knocked over, and he decided he had to do something about it, and he created the first idea of a road patrol. Wow. And it's growing from there. So, sorry, Mark, was that in the country or the region? In the country. At Berenpore, yeah. from Berenpore School. Yeah. So the council wow. wanted to do some work on that crossing about eight or nine years ago. And uh, the, uh, they were told by the um, Heritage Society that they could not move it more than 10 metres from its location while they did the work because it's a historic site for that fact. We need plaques all over, <laughs> all over the suburb, yeah, don't we? Yeah. So I had the, the benefit of being down at the National Library, such, such a beautiful treasure for us all, but to see some images of Berenpoor, you know, coming through 100 right, years... Yeah. Visually, there are a lot of changes, but for you, how has the school had to interact with those changes? Berenpoor, uh, through the decades, has been at the centre of many social movements and so on. So at one stage, it had uh, lots of children's homes when mm. uh, it was state knows best and uh, children were removed from families. Oh. Uh, there was a boy's home and a girl's home. And uh, and at that stage, I was talking to one of, uh, I think it was Keith Quinn's brothers, because uh, the Quinns went to Berenpore School. Yeah, claim to fame. Claim yeah. to fame there. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> uh, he was commenting, this was uh, 10 years ago, about how the school really represents a family for anyone who comes, particularly for refugees, migrant people and so forth. And he was musing on it that uh, it, that's the feeling it had when he was a little boy. For him it was um, that the school provided a home for the children in the children's homes because, again, you've got displaced mm. people, but for different reasons. Right. So there always wow. seems to have been that sort of... Um, Ear around how how the community operates, and so there's a theme there, I think. Yeah, it's still living on in that oh, way, isn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. So then, one of the words when I think about Berenpore School is is diversity. How many nationalities do the children represent at, at Berenpore? 
If we don't break it down too far, okay. <laughs> uh, we, I think the count now is 29. Um, now, when I say that, there are some schools that, that claim quite a few. Right. And they would count my children as five. They would count my children as English, Scottish, Irish, French, and Māori because that's our lineage. At Berenpore School, my children will be counted as Pākehā. Right. Uh, for you to be uh, recognised in our, our list as we listed out, yeah. you basically have to have a parent with an accent. You know, it has to be that identifiable. Wow. And uh, and we have them from throughout the Pacific. We have them through Asia, through yes. Africa, Europe. Um, one of my party tricks is to try and name them all. <laughs> uh, I won't try it now, but uh, it's quite cool. We even get phone calls from casting agencies saying, have you got children from this part of the world? Right. And it's surprising how many we do have. That is amazing. And so that's... 29 over the 270-odd that you were talking about. That's right. That's quite phenomenal. Now, talking about that, you do have a lot of – we do have – there is a fair share of uh, refugee children at the school. How how do you find that they are integrating into the school community? Uh, We love our refugee families. Mm. Um, There's some terrific folk coming in through that. And um, some of them uh, are very, very articulate, clever people. In fact, uh, we're keeping count with the recent news about the refugee crisis and and, uh, 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 Syria particularly Mm. is is a source of folks right now. Uh, We counted uh, over the interviews across the different TV channels, five of our families were interviewed. So um, we have a significant number and uh, people who have been through quite... um, Traumatizing, uh, quite experiences. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some. You know, I mean, some, some experiences I couldn't tell you because I think I start to cry on air. That'll be a bit, but rough. Mm, um, mm. But one of the things is they they by sharing with them and, and understanding where they've come from. Uh, I particularly have learnt there's not a lot of choice here. There's some mm. people going on as if refugees have just left because because they wanted something better. And, right. But they they didn't really need to. They need to. Mm. There is and there is the refugee from uh, war yes. crisis. There are those economic ones that are really in dire straits. Yes, and um, it's, it's easy to sit back when we are in a we're a very lucky country. Yes, and uh, uh, we don't get faced with those challenges. And the people who work through Berenpore School become a certain kind of person through the interaction. So we even have one um, teacher who I hold in very high esteem who now works for the UN. And her job is working with displaced people, and her speciality is people displaced within their own country. Right. So that's an interesting thing. Most of the mm. refugees in the world have not left their country, but they are displaced within it. Wow. Mm. It, it is um, too much for the, the Kiwi who generally can get things quite easily to, to understand, isn't it? It's, it's hard to understand. It is. Uh, the, the main thing that Kiwis need to do is just be what makes a Kiwi great. Good. Which is welcoming and uh, uh, making sure that people belong. And that, that's that's one of the most founding things about this country is its treaty is about the right to belong. Mm. And that is that agreement with Māori who are mana whenua. And it's it's not just about um, whether or not the Crown could do this or that. It was about the right of people to belong. Mm. And that's been one of the central arguments of many Māori iwi around um, how has that right to belong been um, used. Yes. And um, has it been addressed in all honesty and sincerity? So it's a very powerful document as yes. long as it's, it, it's listened to. Yes, yes. 
that's not the interpretation I've ever heard, to be honest. So yeah. that's well, it, it hasn't resonated maybe too because we take on different things at different stages. But yeah, yes, right, yeah. the right to belong. Hmm. How I guess um, the children you're also welcoming with open arms are those that have special needs and varying abilities. Why is that part of the Bear and Poor cult school culture as well? Well, I think uh, where it's come from the school anyway. Mm. Uh, uh, back in the day uh, when I was first there, and, and the school needed to do some things to turn a corner. It was struggling at the time. And one of those things was how to meet the needs of refugee children coming in, and uh, particularly refugee children from very, very different cultural right. backgrounds. And uh, so we set out to make sure that every refugee child felt like they belonged. And uh, that was our, our underlying uh, value and vision, was that everyone had that right to belong. Wow. In there, along the way, of course, um, a little Somali boy walked through the door with his <laughs> mum, who was autistic. <laughs> so we thought, well, why would you stop there? You know, so we, we set to, wow. and uh, we refer to him as student zero. You know how you get right. patient zero, where the epidemic starts sort of thing. He's student zero, where it all started for us. Mm. And he generated um, the question, basically, um, some of us aren't easy to make sure that we yeah. have that right to belong, but you've got to do it. And, um, and enormously successful. That boy is now 19 and a friend on Facebook. Oh, um, but when wow. he first arrived at school, he couldn't speak in English or Somali, uh, couldn't communicate with folks. And uh, But we could see a, uh, a young mum who was a very tremendous mm. mum and just needed someone to... And make sure she and her child had a right to be part of a school, not to push them out, which can unfortunately happen from time to time. Mm. Some schools will say, we don't cater for a child like yours. And um, so you're already starting to determine who does and does not belong to your community. Yes, so That's yes. very dangerous ground. That's too scary for me to think about. Yes. You must see benefits in the, all of the children through having such an integrated or, or diverse and, and different abilities. What do you see? How, how does it benefit them? Well, uh, for a start, one of the things I say to people is um, children don't have hang-ups. Grown-ups have no, hang-ups. No, yeah, good. <laughs> so you'll find, and you'll look through our school, and there'll be little girls with hijabs sitting next door to little girls with blonde hair and ponytails. Yes. And no issues. No. The, the, the children don't have those issues. So um, the benefit for the children is that they are getting a very broad understanding of who makes up this world. Uh, the teachers also, and, and, the, and the parents too, not just the teachers, mm. but the, the whole community, because they have this we all belong and um, we'll do whatever it takes to make sure you do, the children are part of that to the point that the children, uh, uh, you can see wonderful examples of it where the children themselves have learnt how to incorporate and include somebody else. So an excellent example was we had um, just recently some of our children with intellectual disabilities were in a cross-country competition. Yes. Now, they'd done all their cross-country running very socially with other kids. They had no concept of a race. Right, yes. So they didn't understand how you run to get in front. That yes. just didn't make sense to them. And the teacher said to one of the classmates of one of these children, uh, well, it's just here, well, who wants to be a partner for this child on the, the run? And this boy put his hand up, said, I'll do it. And um, so she said, right, I'm, this is something you're going to have to be sure of because he doesn't understand a race. 
And she didn't tell him what to do. She left it to him to figure out what to do. And when they got to the start line, he was still pondering this. And he was, one of the things he had thought about was this boy loves Marvel, absolutely loves Marvel Ooh. characters. Wow. So um, just before the race started, he turned around to this boy and said, right, you're Spider-Man, I'm Iron Man, they're the bad guys. We need to stay away from them. We need to stay in front. So as soon as the race started, off they went, and this little boy was out the front shooting spider webs all over the place and way out in front. And every time anyone caught up, he just brought another burst of speed. And, you know, and so to me, that shows that um, children understand there are different people in the world, and we all rattle and roll differently. And it's just to me, that's a stunning example. I can give you many. Um, there was another boy that knew that um, the child with him liked to run after right. him and play rugby. So he figured if he ran fast enough, he could stay in front of this child and the child would run all the way around the course. But, of course, he forgot just before the finish line what he was doing <laughs> and slowed down and the little boy nailed him. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And, you know, you, you've just got a richness yeah. in the mix there. And uh, one of the things research shows us, too, is the the more you have... Uh, the more you are different, the more you will look for what you have in common. But the more you are the same, the more you'll endeavour to be different. So you think mm. of a single-sex girls' school where everyone's wearing the same uniform, yes. they tend to look the same, they start streaking their hair, they start piercing yes. their noses. And uh, it's a very natural thing to do because they're seeking that difference. But when you have difference, you they don't, don't need, need to. to. It's about what you have in common. So, yeah, it's really cool. It's a beautiful thing. Some of these would be seen by challenges, you know, by many that you're embracing, but yet um, it seems like the school's also got a constant happiness amongst mm. the kids and the teachers. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> and, and the parents. And the, it's but, often commented on by people when they right. walk in. They just say, oh, we can't get over how happy this place is. It's not to say we don't have our bad hair days. Oh, we no. have those too. <laughs> But uh, it, it's, it's, it comes from a, um, a culture where uh, you don't see catastrophe, you just see opportunity. Mm. And uh, you accept things take time, so you don't burden yourself with rushing. Right. And uh, so that means people are less pressured. People are more able to enjoy life as it goes. We, we can show that our learning doesn't suffer. In fact, the learning right. is enhanced again. Mm. Uh, but yeah, the, the children feel trusted, they feel they belong. And once you've got those things, you are going to be happy. And that's one of our, our essential things too, is healthy, happy learning. And that comes from all those different cultures we use to, to create that. Sounds good. I think I want to go back to school, Ellie. <laughs> yeah, I'd be keen. I'd be keen. Yeah, no. Okay. So the school does seem to be a big part of the community and you know, and a lot of schools are, you know, and they but are, but, yeah. but Berenpore does seem to have something. What do you think is working here? It's that we don't limit ourselves only to being an institution that mm. provides one service to its community. So as I said earlier, we're a partner of our community mm. and we are guided by what our community is asking of us. So um, with with what we do, we are also enabling families and people in the community to realise their dreams as well. And um, they are far more powerful and... Um, uh, invigorating than mundane basic steps in the learning process of reading, writing and maths. Uh, 
you can make maths more interesting if you connect with your community like the bees, where the children are now selling things <laughs> and, and, and working out how to share out the, you know, the, the, the dividends. The dividends. Yes. Nice learning. Okay, one last question before we ta- start to talk about how to uh, ce- how you're going to celebrate the centenary. What do you think our children need to learn to face our future world? The most important things they need to learn is how to socialise with people Mm -hmm. and how to solve problems with people. They are the biggest missing skills in societies around the world today. And uh, it's it's a growing concern around the digital world that we are now having our children exposed to. Mm. Uh, Don't get me wrong, I love digital Mm, um, mm. uh, technology. It's the depth to which it's taking over. And there's research now that shows uh, youth vocabulary is shrinking as a result of their interactions with technology. Uh, The worst thing you can do is put a a device for everyone in a room because they'll stop talking to each other. Right. Um, I I even now and then get a bit grouchy in my own home. I'll sit there with my family and everyone seems to be on the screen. Yep, you're not alone. Yeah. So uh, so I have to make sure I don't do it myself because it's very tempting to. That's right. So children need to know how to get on with people. They need to know how to compromise. They need to know how to understand another person's perspective. And uh, those things are driven by conversation. And you must be conversing with people to be able to learn those skills. Beautiful. Okay, so... I think we all want to get down and celebrate uh, with the, the, you know, all the centenarians. Although I don't know how many there, there will actually be, but there are a few events coming up. How can people find out about them, and what would be the main one you would suggest? Well, if they they look on the school website. There's a link there, right? And um, there is also a cent- Berenport Centenary Facebook page. Great, a lot of information in there. Uh, I don't know which one to choose. Uh, we're going to have an open day on a Friday uh, morning before right. Labor Weekend where people from the community and past people's parents, etc., can come and, and just see how it's going. Um, there's a mix and mingle, we're calling it, like a wine and cheese, I guess, Good. on a Friday night at dinner on the Saturday. I'm quite looking forward to a golf tournament at the Mornington Golf Course. I saw golf that, course. yes. Yeah. That would be fair. Ambrose Rules, which will help me. It's, <laughs> it's where you, um, you go to the best shot of the group, and that's where you start a game. <laughs> so, uh, so the idea is to have fun. We right. really want to have fun with our community. Looking forward to it. You always do. <laughs> Mark, what song did you choose for us today? Uh, we've got a song uh, by Avicii. Yes. And it's uh, the title is um, The Nights, and it's it's a conversation... Um, was well, it's, it's a man talking about a conversation he had with his father, and it's about not wasting your life, about living a life worth living, and we like that um, because we think that sort of talks about the, the Berenpore community and how people there really go out of their way to live a life worth living with other people. So yeah. Mark, thank you so much for coming in and sharing that lovely wisdom with us today, and we wish you all the best for the centenary. Thank you. Yeah. Great. Shadows disappeared, the animals inside came out to play. Went face to face with all our fears, learned our lessons through the tears, made memories we knew would never fade. One day my father, he told me, son, don't let it slip away. He took me in his arms, I heard him say, when you get older, your wild heart will live for younger days. Think of me if ever you're afraid. He said one day. Be 